Hello, dear friend. My name is Denise Renner. I'm so glad that you're with me today. We've been talking about joy. I've been hearing from some of you, your responses about how this program is helping you. It's helping me because rejoicing is a choice and rejoicing is a blessing to not only others, but it's a blessing to your own body because it gives you strength. And, uh, if you have any prayer needs, we absolutely want to hear from you. So um, we're starting with 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And it is a scripture that really for a long time, it's always been almost a mystery to me because it's just two words. And it says, rejoice always. I've heard people say, you know, like they say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good Christian. I obey the word of God. And, and I think, hmm, I wonder if they obey this one. Rejoice always. <laughs> always. It's, a, it's pretty, pretty serious. And it's not please rejoice always. Or if, it's, if you have time, rejoice always. It's a command from scripture written under the uh, apostle Paul's hand, but inspired by the Holy Ghost. It is the will of God, plainly in scripture, that we are to rejoice always. And, um, and I've been saying on these programs, and I really believe it with my heart, that God is raising the bar these days. These days that we're living in, I mean, you hear so many different things on the news and 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 people having horrible things happen and and unfair things happen and and what can we do we can't just say well you know what i'm just going to i'm just going to fight i'm just going to be depressed i'm i'm going to be as mean to them as they are to me bible says don't give railing for railing um it, it, it it's a different standard the Bible, the Christian life is a different standard than this world. And so the Lord is raising the standard, raising the bar for us. I do believe at this time that he's raising the bar, that we are to be more loving. We're to be more forgiving. Uh, we're to be more patient. Uh, we're to think more, more highly of others than we do ourselves more and more and more. The Bible says, believe the best. The Bible says, think no evil. I mean, it's all these things that the Bible says, but in these last days, as the pressure grows, I think, stronger and stronger, evil pressing on people, on people's minds, people not thinking right, children being abused, uh, oh, there's so much happening, and 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 God loves people so much. He loves us so much, and He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us His very person. Jesus says, "I'm going to not leave you like orphans. I'm going to give you somebody who's just like me." And He was talking about the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit, when we got born again, He came inside of us, and He's just like Jesus. And one of his characteristics of the Holy Spirit 
is joy. So when the Bible says rejoice always, well, actually, we have within us the rejoicer. We have within us the joy of the Lord inside of us. And we have to recognize it and embrace it. Make our decision. There's the power. Acknowledge it. We talked in one of these programs about joy, about, about he's the glory and he's the lifter of our head. He's inside of you by the Holy Spirit. The glory and the lifter of your head is inside of you. And so to rejoice always, honestly, he's given us the equipment that we need to rejoice always. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is, is rejoice always. What can we rejoice about? And we're in Philippians and we're uh, chapter one, verse four. And here in Philippians, and as we've said before, Apostle Paul's in a terrible, terrible prison, standing in sewage, death all around him. He's chosen to be there and to live through this rather than go on to heaven because he wants to be there as a benefit to the church to the kingdom of God. He wants to keep living. And the first time he mentions joy in this book is in verse four of chapter one. And it says, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. So when he prays for them, he prays for them with joy. I, I, when you pray for somebody, does it kind of bring a joy to your heart? You think of that person and they're so wonderful and it brings joy to your heart or it, you choose great joy to pray for that person. He, he was praying not out of a big burden, not out of depression, not out of, I don't know that God can do this. He was praying with joy. For those people. And this is instruction to you and I. And that we pray for people with joy. Um, in our office in Tulsa, we have a whole team there that prays for people. And they pray for people with joy. They're so, they're so honored to be able to pray if you call in or if, if someone else calls in or writes an email they are so delighted to be able to pray for you and likewise friend when when we pray for our loved ones for anyone apostle paul said i pray for you with joy and we can just, we can up our level of joy in praying for people. Whoever that is, we can say, Lord, I'm praying for my husband. I'm praying for him right now. 
Lord, help him. I'm praying with joy about him, Lord Jesus. Help him. My children, Lord, you know where they are. Father God, I'm praying for them with joy because of the plan that you have for their life. Using your faith, using your joy as you pray. So we see that that's what the Apostle Paul was doing in that terrible prison. Well, look at uh, chapter 1, verse 18. And we see another thing that the Apostle Paul chose to do. And that is uh, because he heard that people were preaching and they were preaching Christ, but they were preaching it out of envy and strife. And he heard, and it just hurt him that the gospel was not being preached for the right reason, but for envy and strife. And he decided, he said, well, I'm going to rejoice that the gospel is being preached, period. And in verse 18, it says, what then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And I said on another program that I believe that he was choosing to rejoice. And that he had to keep choosing to rejoice that it hurt him that the gospel was being preached for a, a wrong reason. But he said, you know what? The gospel's being preached. So I rejoice. And again, I rejoice. You know, maybe you need to look at some situation. Maybe it's not perfect, but some good is being done. And you say, you know what? It's not perfect, but I rejoice. I rejoice, and again I rejoice. Because when we choose to rejoice, it gives us strength. Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. How much strength do you need right now? Some people are suffering from diseases and weakness and but the joy of the Lord, it will give you strength. I think it's powerful. And it's right here on the inside of us. And we can just keep choosing just like the Apostle Paul did. He said, I will rejoice. And I will rejoice. And it was a choice for him. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. Another reason why the Apostle Paul rejoiced and why you and I can rejoice. It says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Okay, this gave him joy. When he heard that people were of the, having the same love and... Uh, and they in one, one accord, one mind, it gave him joy. How much joy does it give you when you hear that somebody who was in conflict and now 
they've resolved it and they're in they're in harmony with one another what about in families when uh you hear of a family that won't speak to each other and then you hear that they reconciled and now they're they are in fellowship with one another it gives you joy and that's what he was saying he was saying Oh, I'm so glad that you're one mind. I'm so glad that you're one heart. I'm so glad that you have one love. It gives me joy. And he was even, and he's in that terrible prison. But he was saying that when I hear about this, it gives me joy. So that is something we can rejoice about. You might be saying, I don't know what to rejoice about. Well, we've talked about two things. We can rejoice when we pray, when we're praying for people. We can rejoice in praying for them. We can rejoice that maybe not everything is just perfect or right, but maybe some things are. And we can say, Lord, it's not perfect, but I'm rejoicing. I am rejoicing. That's powerful. And it's our choice. And it's what the Apostle Paul did. And then we can rejoice because other people are getting in harmony with one another. Other people are forgiving one another. Other relationships are getting reconciled. We can rejoice about that. Now look at chapter 2, verse 17. And this is really uh, shows the heart of the Apostle Paul. And it says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And the next verse says, for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. The Apostle Paul was saying, I'm in prison, I'm suffering, but it's adding to your faith, and I am glad, and I rejoice. And I want you to be glad, and I want you to rejoice. I mean, have you ever just, you know, you just served and served and done all you could to help somebody or, or maybe you're in a difficult situation and to help somebody's faith, you just had to forgive them and forgive them and forgive them. Or, or maybe, maybe you're in a situation to help somebody's faith, you have to serve and serve and serve, work hard. Well, the Apostle Paul said, I'm pouring out, I'm being poured out. And I am glad and I rejoice with you all. I think this is really helpful to us because in our flesh, we don't want to be poured out. In our flesh, we don't want to suffer. In our flesh, we don't want to be inconvenienced. But he was saying, I'm being poured out. It's for your faith. I am suffering. It's for your faith. 
and I'm glad about it. And I rejoice about it. And then he said, and you rejoice too. And you be glad. Don't be sad for me. Be glad for me that I'm, be, that I'm being poured out, that God is using me to help your faith. You be glad. You rejoice. I think that says that he was trying to encourage them with his gladness and his rejoicing. He didn't want them to be sad. He said, no, no, no. You be glad too, and you rejoice too. He wanted them to be strong. And we can take that ourselves. And when we're doing something for somebody, and we seem it's be maybe even suffering or or it's definitely an inconvenience or we're being poured out. And we say, I'm glad. I'm glad. I rejoice. I rejoice. I rejoice. I get great joy out of this. And I rejoice. And I'm thankful. And don't feel sorry for me. You be glad and you rejoice too. That joy that we're choosing in that situation is bringing joy and strength to those who we suffer for. I think that's really powerful. And it shows complete selflessness of I'm not, I don't want you to feel bad because I'm suffering. I want you to be glad that you're getting what you need and that God is using me. That is really powerful. And then in chapter uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, and we've looked at this before, but let's let, look at it, at it again. Because the Apostle Paul has heard that these two women, that he probably loved them. He, he worked with them. It says that he worked with them, that they served with them. He knew them, but they were in conflict with one another. And he was like, Oh, this is this is not good because if they're in conflict, then then they're going to open the door to the devil. And if they're in conflict, it's going to disrupt the work of God. And if they're in conflict, it's not a good example for others. And so he said, "Tell them to be of the same mind in the Lord." And then. Instead of being completely upset about it, he says to them as a command, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And again, we see that the apostle Paul says something two times, just like he said to himself, he said, I will rejoice I don't like what's going on, that these people are preaching the gospel out of strife and out of envy. I don't like it, but they are preaching Christ. So I rejoice and I will rejoice. So he said it two times. And now again, two times in a difficult situation, he's saying to them, this situation of these women that are having a conflict to help them and keep rejoicing. He says, rejoice in the Lord. How long? 
always. And then he says again, I say, rejoice. And, and so he knows that this rejoicing is powerful and he knows that it's going to be powerful for them that they're not going to get, get caught up in all this conflict, but that they continue to rejoice. Oh, it's so important not to get caught up in people's conflicts because, uh, you know, it says where envy and strife is, there is every, every, evil work. And so if we get into envy and strife or we get into the situation where others are in envy and strife and we don't need to be there, we make something our business that's not our business and we get into their envy and into their strife, then for us to make the choice to rejoice is powerful. Because when we say, no, you know what? This is, this is bringing me down and this isn't even my business. I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. You see, because somebody needs to stand up and be strong. Somebody needs to stand up and say what's the right thing to do and not to just uh, embrace and, uh, and pamper this strife and this envy. Someone needs to stand up and say, I rejoice in the Lord. Maybe that, maybe that's you. Maybe that's the very situation that you're in and you're tempted to get into that situation of somebody else's and it's not really any of your business. You choose to rejoice. In fact, they're going to need your strength and they're going to need your power. And, and, and it's not going to help you to be involved in their envy or their strife. So you, take the, you make the choice to rejoice. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul says it two times because the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows that in in different situations, we have to keep talking to ourselves. We have to keep saying, no, no, I'm not holding on to that. No, I forgave that person. No, I am not going to worry about that one more time. No, I've already given that to the Lord. It's like, this is what the Apostle Paul is expressing in these verses, saying, rejoice, and I will rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He is saying that sometimes we have to make the decision and then stick with our decision and maybe say it again and again and again and again. Lots of times people believe, and we Christians, we sometimes do this. We've done something habitually for a long time, and we think just because we decide to change it one time that it's, it's going to be all gone. It's going to be all out of our character. Well, maybe supernaturally that if that happened, it would be. But most of the time, it's a renewing of our mind. It's making a decision one day at a time. 
That's how I was, but that's not how I choose to be now. I choose now, say it's forgiveness. I choose now to forgive again. I choose to forgive again. I choose now to be patient again. I choose now to be kind again. I choose now to rejoice again. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying. He had to do it. In, in the situation with those people preaching the gospel out of strife and envy. And he was telling those believers, you just might have to rejoice, but you rejoice again. And friend, I want to tell you that the power of the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And as long as we keep agreeing with him and we say, Lord, you said rejoice. Okay, I'm rejoicing, but Lord, I got to do it again. I got to do it again. I got to do it again. And when we do it again, all those times that we're deciding to obey his word, we're inviting his power. We're inviting his presence into our life, into our situation by saying, Lord, I did it once. In fact, I've done it 20 times, but Lord, I'm going to do it again. And what's happening in us, dear friend, when we choose to do it again and again and again and again, we're breaking that habit and God is building some godly things, some godly character on the inside of us. Well, it's just been my great privilege to be with you. Please, if you have any prayer needs, let us know. If this program is touching your heart in any way, I'd love to know that. Please send me your response. And remember this. If you rejoice before, you might have to rejoice again. But you're agreeing with God and that's powerful. I love you and I'll see you next time. Women are powerful and very influential, but what kind of power and influence they have depends on what has happened inside their hearts. The Bible tells us of women like Jezebel, a woman who had no touch of God in her heart and used her influence to destroy her husband, her sons, and her nation. But the Bible also gives examples of women who were supportive, godly, helpful, and delivering. In this amazing 10-part series, 10 Powerful Women with Rick and Denise Renner, you will learn about an unnamed woman who changed history, a woman God radically changed, a woman who saved her nation, a woman who was delivered of demons by Jesus, a woman who gave her living room to Jesus, a woman preacher in the New Testament. Whether you are a man or a woman, this powerful series will help you embrace who God wants you to be and is available in digital or physical format starting at just $20. In addition, we are also offering you the book, All the Women of the Bible. The world needs men and women to embrace their God-given destiny and to make a difference in the lives of those around them. This book is filled with examples of 400 named and unnamed women of the Bible, and it is amazing. We know it will be a blessing to you. This insightful book by Herbert Lockyer can be yours for just $19. Don't miss this special offer, this series, 10 Powerful Women, and the book, All the Women of the Bible. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. 